Hello, welcome to Process. My name's Stephen Walsh. This week, we're joined by David White from Avery Hill Publishing. Hello. So, David, give us an outline of the origins of Avery Hill Publishing. We probably started in earnest just over two years ago, I'd guess. And when I say we, it's me, Ricky Miller, and at the time, a guy called Michael Gosden, who we all went to school with, known each other for, for a long, long time. Always kind of done fairly... Often foolhardy projects with each other. We were in a band and various other uh, ill-conceived projects. And at that time, just before we started Avery Hill, we had a music blog. And this is a little while ago now when we started it. And it was before kind of blogs exploded and you know, all of a sudden there were thousands of kind of sharing websites and so on. And we were doing that for a few years. Quite nice, you know, talking about the kind of music we liked. It's, it was a nice creative outlet. You get to write, you get to talk about something you're passionate about. We all love, we all love music. But the kind of distance of putting a post up, sometimes you got a bit of a reaction, sometimes you didn't. You were aware that there was traffic coming through the site, but there was a real detachment from your audience. And eventually that became kind of problematic for all of us. We just felt like we were putting a fair amount of work in and we enjoyed it. But um, at some point you do need that kind of response. You need to get a feeling, um, is it any good? Is it awful? You know, that, we weren't getting anything at all, really. So we put a stop to it. The blog was called Tiny Dancing, and after a few months of not doing a lot, got a bit bored, always need to be working on something, otherwise, you know, go crazy. So we started, I started doing a zine called Tiny Dancing, which I contributed to, I asked Ricky to do something, I asked Michael to do something, a few of our other friends as well. And that, this has got to be kind of four or five years ago now. And the first one, I did some illustration, Ricky did a comic strip, Michael did some stuff. It was a real mixture of, of, of different kinds of, um, basically anything you can print. There was some poetry in there, stuff like that. And I did it at the, on the photocopier at work on a, on a Saturday when no one was in. And it was just really good fun. And I must have done about 50, uh, kind of like a 24-page A5 zine. But just giving it to people, putting it in people's hands and seeing the instant reaction was so much more gratifying than you know, kind of putting something out to the ether of the internet which can touch any part of the world, but you just don't know. So it was kind of like taking it all the way back to that, that, that one moment of you giving it to an individual and them experiencing it. And it was kind of exactly what, what we'd been looking for. So that was really encouraging. We did a couple more, a couple more tiny dancings. I think, I think we must have got for about three or four. And Ricky had started doing a comic strip. Michael had started doing a comic strip. A friend of ours called Steve had started doing a comic strip as well. And it was alongside some fairly crazy other stuff. I was, whatever I was drawing, there'd be some creative writing in there, there'd be some photography, basically, as I say, whatever we can print and, and, and kind of do justice to. And I started using a printer at this time rather than, you know, kind of photocopying it myself. But we were having real trouble getting people to kind of understand what it was and finding outlets for it as well. We took it to Orbital, for example, and Camilla at Orbital, who, who, who's absolutely fantastic and, and wonderfully supportive took it in but kind of we couldn't sell any because people and, and the feedback Camilla gave was people are looking through it and they're seeing comics and they're seeing other stuff and they're probably not quite sure what it is but we were still really enjoying doing it so we decided to break the comics out into a, a separate a separate title called reads which would be a comics anthology and keep everything else that we wanted to do in in tiny dancing and keep that going and it was really at that point that Avery Hill started because you know, you've got two titles, all of a sudden you're an empire. Uh, <laughs> we started to just, just be able to, I think, communicate what we're trying to do a little bit better through, you know, this is our comics anthology. 
this is our arts zine, whatever else goes in there. And then all of a sudden you've got a, a slightly, it was slightly easier to communicate out to people what, what was in there. And people started sending us stuff for, t- uh, for, for reads. Tim Bird, who, who we still work with now, putting wonderful comics out, uh, he sent us a strip in. And actually, I think that was for, for, for first for a tiny dancing. Then, so we got Tim to do something for Reeds, and, and, and it grew from there. And all of a sudden, as I say, we thought, right, this, this is this is a huge amount of fun. You know, we, we we could do this. We could be we could be a publisher. So, and that was probably towards the end of, I guess, two thousand and twelve, probably. And we went to Thought Bubble that year with I think four books, calling ourselves Avery Hill, and we sat at a table for a weekend as people just kind of walked past us to go and get their comics signed by Tim Sow. And, and, and it was like, okay, so it's a lot of fun, but no one wants to buy our comics. So we continued to put Tiny Dancing out. We continued to put reads out. And working with, with, with Tim again, and every issue we'd put out of reads or Tiny Dancing, Tim would do a strip for us. And then at one point, probably, this is probably kind of early, early to mid-2013 now, Tim came to us with a comic called Grey Area. Full-length comic, 24 pages, Really beautiful stuff, black and white. Anyone that's, that knows Tim's work knows, you know, very uh, poetic voice, very loose narrative, although there, there, there are narratives there. And we said, right, let, let's put this out. So we did. And that was probably our first, you know, genuine release by someone else completely, nothing, no work that we had in at all. And the result was really positive. And it just went from there, really. We put another comic out by Tim, another grey area. And we started putting, other people started coming to us and we started identifying people we might want to do projects with and it actually happened really quickly we kind of stepped up stepped stepped up quite quickly we put a comic out by jazz greenhill called the festival which is a really beautiful piece of work about about some um some kids who would go to a festival with their mum and dad and kind of sneak out of the tent in the middle of the night after everyone's gone to bed and just kind of explore an adventure around this festival wonderfully sweet natured lovely tone lovely feel to it and amazing art we then put out um, seasons by Mike Medalia, and that was at Thought Bubble last year, and it kind of just it cascaded from there. Ever since, and, and that was a really big deal for us, Mike's book, because it was full colour. Mike's a wonderful creator as well, and so that kind of capped off capped off our first year. That, that sounds kind of a bit a bit kind of a, a, a straight line. It, it almost cascaded like that. It did kind of fall through like that. As soon as we started to get a bit of confidence around the titles we were putting out. And what we could do with printing formats and things like that, we started to find other creators that, that were willing to work with us. Uh, and it just kind of opened out from there. And it's sort of virtuous circle, isn't it? In terms of the more work you put out from other creators, other creators then see the justice you're doing to the work, the nice additions, they want to get involved. So suddenly, are you getting approached by more people? Was it was it initially you approaching people or people approaching you when, when you started off working with people outside the, the, the circle of Avery? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, Tim, Tim came to us and that, that was our first real experience of working with someone else completely. I mean, that took us by surprise, really. First, anyone, anyone was reading, reading the stuff that we were putting out. Because as I say, most of the stuff we put out in the early days was just our own, our own work. Slowly but surely we began to... And it also came from going to shows and, and kind of events and having tables and so on. And you start to meet people at those events. Process as well. We started coming to process and meeting creators and other publishers through that kind of, that, that kind of social, social network. So we began to find out other people, more about other people's work. We began to talk to the creators that maybe we wanted to work with. But as you say, I think there's probably a bit of trepidation at first. You know, if, if, if you're an unknown quantity, people are going, well... 
you know, I'm not entirely sure what you guys are about. But once you do start to be able to kind of showcase what you can do, people you work with, as you say, perhaps what we can bring to a publication from, you know, working with formats and, and, and different, different printing techniques. So certainly in the last year, we've seen a lot more web creators perhaps approaching us to, to, to do their books. Whereas the, probably the first year, year or two was, was us approaching creators and saying, well, maybe we could work on something. And they're going, oh, I'm not really sure who you guys, you know, that kind of stuff. With that little bit of track record behind you, and you can, you know, you can sit down with someone and say, this is a book we put out this year by Simon Moore. And it's a beautiful art, uh, item. Maybe we could do something like that. So it is a lot easier to be able to, to, to be able to show people what you can do. So, you, but you're absolutely right. It is that kind of virtuous circle. I think one of the things that fascinates me about the small press scene at the moment is the fact that realistically, people have been talking about the death of comics since the, the rise of the internet. The idea was that web comics would democratise the whole process and uh, give people access to distribution and production yeah. in a way that was unfathomable before. And I think that's true. But it feels like if anything, more work is being printed than ever before. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I, I can't speak for, you know, kind of the 80s and, and so on, when, when there was a real, you know, kind of um, self-publishing scene before, you know, the advent of the internet. But the example I'll give is Thought Bubble this year. And there was just an incredible amount of work being produced by people putting out their own work, small press, independent publishers, of, a, of just an amazing standard. An absolutely incredible, incredible output. Lots of people with new work, ready for Thought Bubble, you know, coinciding with that. It's a, it's a wonderfully creative time, I think. A huge volume of, of work coming out. And what I, I'm particularly... Uh, I, think, I think what's great about it is a creator today can use the web, can use the internet, put out their web comics. It, it's an absolutely wonderful way to get your work out quickly without a huge amount of outlay, and it works. You can also publish it yourself. You know, you can still do it on your photocopier at work and get your stapler out and you can put that in people's hands. You can talk to printers because, you know, with uh, all of the different software packages that are available, you can put that book together yourself now. You don't need someone to lay it out anymore and pay a fortune for that. You just need to talk to a sensible, sensible printer about getting it out in the best format possible. You can talk to publishers and maybe, maybe you know, use, uh, use what they can, they, they can provide to give you a bit, a bit of help as well if you don't want to, you know, kind of be knocking on the doors of shops and trying to get it out and so on. So there's so many ways that, that for a creator today you can get your work out. And I think that's the really positive thing. And I think maybe that, that having the availability of that choice, the fact that some people or, or a lot of people seem to still be coming back to printing physical copies of their work, which is certainly, you know, what interests us whilst also, you know, you can't, you can't ignore the digital side of things because that's a wonderful outlet as well. Well, it's a great means of communication. Yeah, As you say, you know, setting up a web shop has never been easier. So you've got a direct route to customers who can see the work and, and purchase it directly. But, and you were saying in terms of, of going to print with the earlier stuff, it was a social thing, a communicative thing in terms of, yeah, sort of handing things to people and seeing their reactions. But... In terms of the format as well, I think that's a huge draw for creators, isn't it? There's this uh, almost fascination, there's an allure to print that I think isn't going away. No, the, the excitement when you get, you know, the boxes of books back from the printer and you open it up and you get it in your hand for the first time, that doesn't change. My girlfriend might say differently because our flat is probably 30% boxes of, of, of different comics at the moment, but... Do you just throw, like, 
rugs over it and uh, yeah, we make features, features out. Yeah, of it. I've actually yeah. got quite a few in my hallway at the moment. Uh, my, my, the, the flats, I mean, our neighbours love us. It's all of those cliche things. It's the smell of it. My flat smells of printing ink, and it's it's a it's a really nice smell. You have weird dreams sometimes, but you know that just that's just part of the course. When you meet a creator whose book you've just published, and you write, this is this is your book. Again, that's a, that's a really wonderful moment to to be able to take someone's work and their vision and what they've been working on and play a part in in bringing it to life physically. Yeah, that, that's that's a big part of it for me. But as I say, when we you know we're not we haven't got a downer on digital comics, web comics at all. They they're, they're massively important. You've got to take advantage of both. So in terms of your relationships with creators, I'm sure it's it's different with each one, but. Do you go into it imagining you'll have an editorial role in producing the work? Is it something where they will feed back to you as the process is going on? Or are you presented with finished work and then asked if you'd like to make changes? We certainly offer an editorial role. As a rule, we're not going to work with a creator who we don't trust to do you know, a wonderful book. We'll have an idea. You know, of course, there'll be that, that discussion early on around you know, what you're looking to do. And, and the first thing is, what, what do you want to achieve with the book? Can we help you with that? There's been at least a couple of occasions where we've said to someone, you can do this on your own, you know. You don't, you're not going to get anything from work. We can't, don't think we can bring anything more to your project on this one. Maybe this is what, you know, we'll help you out. We'll put you in touch with printers and so on and, and give you some, some pointers. But, you know, we think you'll get best, most benefit to yourself from working on yourself. So that, that's, that's the most important initial conversation. What are you looking to, to, to get from, from this book? What are you looking to achieve? Can we help you achieve that? And does it fit in with what we want to be doing as well? So that, that's the first piece. Once we've got an idea, yeah, okay, so it's something we can work on together, we'll have a discussion around what the, what the commercial terms will be um, and how we work. And we do obviously have to have an idea of what the book's about. But Tim, for example, Tim Bird, he'll just take his book away and he'll do it and he'll send me the finished book. I might have him research it for, for his latest book, um, From the City to the Sea, which traces... Uh, a line from uh, the centre of London to the Thames Estuary and the changes in the landscape and the histories of the places that you pass through. We, we kind of did that walk. Uh, we did that journey more or less a year to the day um, before his book came out, which, which, which was uh, back into this year. But once he's, once he's got it planned and he's got his idea, he ran a couple of ideas past me, but that was it. Tim takes it away and he sends us his finished book and it's wonderful. Some, some other creators will, will work with a bit more closely because that's what they want. They, they, they ask for our input. So... We offer it, and we certainly don't demand it, because as I say, we're not going to work with someone who we don't trust. And it might not always be what we expect, but as I say, we, we only work with creators uh, whose work we love, so whatever they do is going to be, going to be fantastic. So whatever best fits, best fits the project. We might help out early on uh, around the technical stuff, so you know, size of pages, the things that you need to take into account for the printing process, like bleeds and... Uh, if we're going to perfect bind, how much allowance to give to, to, to the spine and, 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 and the inside margins and so on. But it's whatever best fits, best fits the creator, really. Um, we're happy to work whatever best fits the project. And in terms of the initial agreement, is it a contractual thing or is it just a, a verbal agreement that you will work together on a thing? used to be a verbal agreement. Probably part way through this year, we started to introduce contracts. And it felt, because we were enjoying it so much and, and we were working with people, as I say, we like, we trust. And, and a couple of our bigger projects early, uh, earlier on in this year were, were just kind of verbal agreements and, and they're absolutely fine. But 
And, and of course we had, we explained how we were going to work together and, and we maintained that. Would you establish deadlines or would, be, would it be a case of when the work is finished we will go move to the next stage or did you agree on a date beforehand? We, we, we try and put plans around, around things because, you know, oftentimes we want to fit it into a show an upcoming or, event or yeah. show or a particular opportunity that we can use to, to, to highlight that book and kind of maximise coverage for it. But we're never going to kind of rush someone to deadline. So, yeah, I mean, even in our contracts now, it's kind of when you're finished, we're ready to go. We, we don't set hard and, fast, hard, hard and fast deadlines in our contracts. If anything, we set ourselves deadlines about what we're going to do with the book once it's delivered. Because, you know, the last thing a creator wants is the publisher holding on to his book and not doing anything with it. So, you know, we set, we set realistic deadlines for ourselves to work with the book once it's delivered. So it's targets for creators, but deadlines <coughs> for yourself almost. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, if we don't deliver by certain dates, then the creator can go and take his book somewhere else and, and do whatever he wants with it. So, yeah, it's more around, and then, you know, kind of duration of the agreement and, and things like that, which we're always willing to... to talk to the creator around and, and see what best best fits their plan. So at what point will you talk to printers about a project? Is it a case of waiting until you get the manuscript and seeing what you're dealing with or you, you make inquiries and get quotes based on what you're expecting in terms of pages and, and sizes? Yeah, we, we'll do it early on. We don't want to set unrealistic expectations for creators around what we can do with their book and then find out once it's delivered that there are limitations that, that the process simply can't, won't allow us to deliver. So part of that early consultation with the with the creator is around right, what, what what size is it going to be what's it going to look like uh, what paper stock do we want to use what cover stock do we want to use what format are we going to use to bind it um, how much colour are we going to use in it how much we'll need rough page count and once we've got that we'll go and talk to our printer we use pretty much exclusively a company called Print Bar UK which is run by a guy called Rich Hardiman who's an absolute superstar as far as, far as we're concerned because he's a massive part of um, helping us realise the projects in, in, in the way that you know we want to and, and, and can best achieve. Um, so we'll talk to Rich early on and get some budget ideas. Um, what can we achieve with this? What's just completely out there that we're not going to be able to do the book justice if we want to do you know kind of A2 perfect bound landscape and so on. So yeah, we will do that early on just to get some just to get some expectations around what we can achieve and some kind of high 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 line budget expectations as well so that we know again it's kind of we don't want to we don't want to you know say to a say to a creator it'll be hardback 250 pages full color it's going to be fantastic and then find out that it's just not you know kind of from a from a financial point of view an option so getting those expectations up front with the creator so so we, we understand what we're going to work with then making sure technically that it's something we can achieve both from the from from the output of the of the process itself and from the financial side and once we've got all that together and we've got the basis of an understanding with um, the, contract, uh, the, the creator that's how it's going to work then then we, you know, they can set to work and come talk to us whenever they want. I've worked with Rich and one of the things that really struck me about dealing with him was the levels of communication like his in terms of feeding back and troubleshooting I mean how important is that to have that sort of relationship with a printer? It's a bit difficult for us. We, we did use a few printers before we used Rich, and they're actually really good guys. We have really good experiences with them. But once we started using Rich, as you say, that level of communication was just stepped up a level. I'll send Rich an email, can you send us a quote for that? And five minutes later, he's on the phone saying, look, dude, you're not going to do that. But we can do this. Or have you thought about doing it this way? Um, and I often think, 
you know you, what, what you can what you can come up with as a as a as a conception for a project is limited by your knowledge of what you can achieve. And what Rich has been really helpful with is is showing us what can be achieved and what that process looks like. So yeah, I mean, if you look at my inbox, probably the vast majority of the emails uh, will be from Ricky. Next, it will be from Rich because you know we're sending emails backwards and forwards with each other all the time. Plus, he's a great guy, so you know I'd, I'd consider him to be a mate now. So he's um, he, he's been he's been a huge huge show. in in some ways in. I hope he doesn't listen to this. He's kind of been um, a bit of a creative director for us during this this period, helping us to understand how to how to do things, and it also coaches you through the process because the last thing Rich wants is a print file being sent to him. And he's got to do a load of work on it before he can before he can um, set it to print. So he kind of teaches you from your mistakes. He lets you know what they are in the nicest possible way, not always the nicest possible way. Um, <laughs> In the clearest possible way. In the clearest way. possible way, yeah. No, it's very clear. Rich is very clear. And so, you know, I've learned so much over the last year from part of the split of our responsibilities between between myself and Ricky is I, I do, I, I put all the print files together, um, whether it's a project that I'm editing or not. Yeah, and I've, I've learned a huge amount, huge amount from, from, from Rich over the, last, over the last 12 months to the point where, and, and it works for him as well because I send him a print file now and he hasn't got to do anything. He, um, he, that might be what he tells me actually he might, he might speak he might have to kind of work all through the night on it but yeah from what I send him now from what I used to send him uh, I'm sure it's a lot less troublesome for him to get it going so to have a printer that can give you that level of communication that level of education as well rather than you send you know you send it off they send you something back oh it's not great it's not right it's not what I wanted Rich will flag that up early on so you don't get those disappointments, you don't get those kind of missteps. We certainly had those in the past, and maybe that's all part of the learning process. But, yeah, I, I, I'd almost say I could kind of consult with Rich now on what the book's gonna, the final book's going to look like. And that's just part of what he, what he does. Um, Rich will say to himself, he's, he's, he's hugely passionate about comics, he loves comics. He's got a different part of his business that's massively successful. And he could just, you know, carry on doing that. But he just loves, he loves making comics and reading comics. So, um with that kind of passion for it and his knowledge as well, as I say, we've used him, I think, pretty much exclusively this year. And as you say as well, that feedback that you're getting from him informs you, which then, for the next project of a creator, sets you at a different level in terms of preparedness. So you go for that initial meeting and they're talking about formats and, and printing quality and you've already got a better idea than you would have had three months before in terms of costing that, the practicalities of that, the realities of that situation. Yeah, massively. It's before, you know, kind of halfway through this year, Rich kind of gave me his next class, you know, about pre-flight and your InDesign files. And that saves him hours. But yeah, we, if, if put me to this time last year, I wouldn't have been able to have an informed conversation about formats you know what's what's possible you know i know pretty much the, the size that you can um run a a, a landscape book now and and, and perfect bind it i didn't know that before i know that now maybe i thought it was a thing i'd never learn but yeah absolutely and hopefully if, if a creator wants to work with us we want to offer them the maximum amount of value we can and printing can be a pretty stressful process especially you know because there's you've got your finances involved and you're putting your heart and soul into this book and you want it to be absolutely spot on and and we can take that that pain away we can take the sting of that that process away and as i say over the last year yeah if you were to come and talk to me and say this time last year i'd be going well maybe we could staple it and i don't know maybe a five i don't know yeah now hopefully i've learned a lot more 
I think that's reflected in the output as well. Looking at the wrath and stuff that's come out over the last few months, the amount of different formats that you, you've played with in terms of, of size, in terms of orientation, in terms of, of different forms of printing, that helps you as a, a publisher as well, doesn't it? It gives you a wider range of, of, of books to, to show as your portfolio almost. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we started we started this year with a book called Infrastructure, uh, which was something Tim was working on. Tim Bird was working on whilst he kind of had a bit of a block on 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 um, from the city to the sea. And to kind of lose the block, he just started doing some drawings of different parts of London's transport infrastructure, whether it's historic infrastructure or current infrastructure. He did a few, put them up on Twitter, got a wonderfully positive response because they are they are great. And we thought, well, we, we can we can do something with this. And it turned into I think it's um, I think it's kind of a seven inch square book because Tim was just started doing these drawings in, in, in a square format. And we looked at maybe doing it A5 or maybe slightly bigger, and it just didn't feel right. So we, we, went, to the, we went to a square format. And it's just a really nice, it's different. You know, you're breaking away from those um, easy decisions that the, the common paper formats kind of um, can almost impose upon you just by, by the fact that they're so, uh, you know, that, that's what everyone works in. And so we had that, Jill Hatcher's, book that we put out this year beginner's guide to being outside which was british comic awards nominated that's kind of halfway between a5 and b5 but it is it's landscape and that has a different feel to the book it adds a different pace into the page layouts so yeah it's wonderful to you kind of almost get the shackles off once you understand what options and that's what i'm saying kind of kind of trying to say once you understand what you can achieve you start to take off those uh, those kind of shackles of, of convention almost so you know sometimes rich will get a crazy email from me saying can we do this rich and he'll say no oh, okay all right yeah we can and we'll do it like this so and, and from a point of view of, of we often think of you know what, what are our books going to look like on the shelves of a shop or on a table uh, a show and it's really nice to have just just a, a different array of sizes colors formats uh, some of Tim's books we've used some really interesting cover stock on just because and people are instantly drawn to it it's like wow this is this is you know really uh, there's a texture to it it's not just kind of a, uh, a, a silk card or you know a laminated a laminated cover and that, those those bring people you know that because the, what we were talking about earlier on a huge amount of output means there's a huge amount of books for people to choose from and to give them the best, our creators the best chance of getting their work out there, we need to get people to open the cover. So sometimes, you know, just making your book that little bit different just gives it that little bit more pop, that little bit more, uh, it just stands out on the shelf a little bit more. And plus it's just more interesting to work in, in different formats. It, it kind of adds a different, a different challenge to uh, the creators as well, you know, to change maybe a page layout or, uh, as I was saying with Jill's book, it's, it, the, the book's got a more... It's got a different feel because, you know, the panel layouts, are, 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 and this might just be my reading, everyone's going, Dave, you're a lunatic, you know what we're talking about. Um, it, it's, got a, it's got a longer a pace to it because you're reading across. Yeah, it will affect the pacing because of down, the, and it's yeah, just a lovely feel the layout of the grid. Yeah, and it just, it just gives, you, gives the creators that different option to, to perhaps try something a little bit different that feeds into the narrative. So yeah, we 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 love playing with format. But then you know we just put out a couple of books by a couple of zines by by Gareth Brooks and Steve Tillotson called Manly Boys and Comely Girls, and they're A five because Manly Boys is actually a reprint of, of a self published comic that Gareth and Steve did about six or seven years ago, and and it was A five. 
and it has a zany quality to it. And we wanted to maintain that. We didn't want to go, wow, look, this is a wonderful way for it. it does, that's not what the pro- that project needs. That's not what those, that, that, those books need. So as, as well as, as well as being aware and, and being happy to experiment with formats, you've also got to make it fit the project. So it's, it's kind of getting that balance. Sometimes, sometimes conventional is absolutely fine if it fits the project. And of course, along with this wide range of, of formats and looks of the books, you're dealing with a wide range of creators and themes and ideas. Obviously, it's hugely valuable for you as a publisher having yeah, a, yeah. a wide range of, of options within it. How much of, of the, the output is organic in terms of just you happen to like a particular creator's work and how much of it is by design in terms of you having a vision for what you want the output to be and then targeting particular creators to fulfill that vision um i'd say more or less exclusively the 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 former we very rarely approach a creator with a preconceived idea of what we want want them to create tiny dancing going all the way back to the start the idea was just do whatever you want there's never going to be a theme there's never going to be a direction just do whatever you want to make and I think we've carried that through to to the way we like to work with creators. We don't want to be, you know, constricting the creators saying, right, I want you to do a story about this. Yeah, it's just not, it's just, I, I, I can't see that being healthy in any way for the creative process, for the creators. It's always do, do the book you want to do. We know your work. We know, we've seen it. We love it. You know, we'll, we'll maybe have a discussion about the work of the creator that we know and, and maybe what we liked about it. But yeah, say past that, make, make the book you want to make. It's going to be great. You're great. It's going to be great. You know, that's 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 the kind of approach we take to it. And if and if you know halfway through, uh, someone comes to us and says, you know, I'm not quite. Sh- is this okay? Absolutely, yeah. We'll give you that little bit of input if you want it. But otherwise, just go and make go and make the book you want to make, and then we'll, we'll put it out. And I'm sure people will love it. Because within the range of creators and styles you've got as a publisher, they all seem very complimentary. It does seem to have a feel and a fit to it that is very natural and organic. And that is purely just the fact that you enjoy good comics, possibly. Yeah, I think it's probably difficult for us to... to we certainly haven't got a, a game plan from that point of view. Perhaps early on, we, we, we were putting out books that are perhaps more, a bit more thoughtful, a bit slower paced, some autobiographical stuff. And that wasn't by design. It's just the creators we found that wanted to work with us and we wanted to work with them. That's the work they made. Over the last year, Maleficium, EDOP's book that we brought out for Thought Bubble, it's completely different to that. It's, uh, it's an all-ages book. She's, I don't know if, she's, if people know Edie's style, but it's very playful, very... She's got a lovely cartooning quality. And it's, just, it's, it's a really wonderful book about a young boy who thinks he's a wizard and he has an adventure um, that involves his family and... Uh, evil forces it's, it's, it's a wonderful wonderful book and it's completely different to, to what the kind of stuff we, we maybe were known for um, when we started putting work out but hopefully hopefully it is um, that organic feel is just because A we you know we're putting out comics that we feel that we really like and, and, and who, who creators we really like and hopefully there is that kind of creators just doing what they feel comfortable with and what they want to do rather than us kind of going right that's what we want fitting these guidelines that's our style. We were aware that we run the risk of, of maybe losing, you know, kind of a cohesive identity um, in doing that. But hopefully, you know, that, that organic nature of it and that organic feel will, will kind of replace that and we'll just be known for putting out good books, hopefully. In terms of selling into shops, obviously there's practicalities to consider in terms of you having to get books to the shops and then yeah. pricing to allow for the split... <laughs> 
between the shop and, and, and yourself. Yeah, yeah. Have you found that to be quite eye-opening in terms of like going into it? Were you aware of the, the mechanics of the situation? No, not at all. We learned we learned fairly early on. Uh, we, we had some we had some less positive experiences that, that you learn a lot from, and we put those alongside the really positive experiences. I mentioned uh, Orbital Comics earlier on, uh, where, where Camilla is, was massively supportive, and without that support earlier on, I'd, I'd question whether or not we'd have carried on, to be honest. And then, as you say, the practicalities of um, sending books all over the country on a sale or return basis, only to have them sent back to you because none of them sold and you can't use them anymore because they've been thumbed through and, you know, kind of knocked about a little bit. We learned a huge amount through that. So, yeah, whilst we've got our online shop, and that's, that's great because, you know, it means that, you know, we're shipping books out to Brazil and Austria and Australia. I mean, that's absolutely fantastic. It's still essential to work with the right shops and you need to find who the right shops are. Gosh, obviously... Huge amount of, of sales through, through through Gosh, huge amount of sales for Orbital. Page forty five in Nottingham are, are wonderfully supportive, and they've been really positive about our stuff as well. We're just starting to work with a distributor, getting into shops. Uh, we're getting into Waterstones and Foils and places like that. But we're well aware that there's only certain titles that we can offer to those shops because of the way the finances work out. There are some that it's just not economically viable to sell them through through the bigger outlets because of the because of the um, the commissions that they take. Which we understand. You know, no one And also once you work with a distributor, that's another level of cost, isn't it? Obviously it's another level of availability which yeah. helps, but it's essentially a split between yourself, the distributor and the retailer. Yeah. So you've got another level of cost to to account for in all of that yeah absolutely and, and that that once you get to an understanding of how, how that all works you start building that into your budgeting for each project the, the, we, we try and make sure that every title we put out some some will be you know very limited print runs and mike medalia's book that we put out this year um last days and nobodies was intentionally a very very limited print run because it's a web comic and we're aware of people that were uh, maybe read it so we wanted to make it a, a desirable object it's beautiful and it's turned out wonderfully with, with, a, with great reaction to it but we can't sell that through shops because we'll lose money on it basically but we don't need to do for that for that one that that, that, that sits in its own uh, own nice space once you get an understanding of how, how how it works you start to build that into your thinking and as i say we we, we basically say we, you know we can't do sale or return Unless we can walk into the shop, give you the books, and if they're not selling, take them back off you again. Because it just doesn't work. And that, that's, that's a big barrier, certainly for self, uh, people that are putting their own comics out, and, and smaller, smaller publishing companies. Um, because that does limit your options. But you quickly learn who, who the shops that are supportive and they're not just in it because they you know they, they, they want to make money out of it although I'm, you know all the shops I mentioned are wonderfully successful so it just goes to show if you've got the passion and, and you want to make it work you, for me you, you make it work but there are constraints that, that the retail side of it can place on your decision making around around projects and yeah you do need to take that into account and as I say we do now the success of a of a title that we put out means we've got to get it into shops so we put that we put that thinking around all of it to make sure that it's going to be it's got the best the best chance of success. So we're talking now December 2014. You've had a massive year in terms of, of output and response. What are your plans for for 2015 and ongoing? Is there is um, it to you know increase again or to to hold it steady and just sort of manage what you've got? I don't think we've got any plans to increase again. We, we, we kind of targeted this year to be to be busy. We wanted to put a lot of books out. We wanted to put uh, work with a lot of different people. And we wanted to kind of showcase what we what we can do. 
and, and, and hopefully, you know, kind of get a little bit of attention, which, which hopefully has worked. That's probably not sustainable in, in, into next year, but we were thinking about, you know, kind of maybe just stepping it back a little bit and, and you know, taking stock of what we've done this year. But we've got a horrible habit of committing to projects when we've had a drink. And I say horrible, they actually turn out to be, to be you know, some of the best things we work on. And we were, we were sitting down the no, other I day. I like home primary stuff. <laughs> and it just buys you gin and you wake up the next day and you've got this signed contract for 20,000 copies of his book. But we sat down the other day, I think it was a thought bubble actually, and we kind of had a top of what we might be doing in 2015. And it's about the same, if not a little bit more. Dependent, there, there, there are a few things that we we still got to bottom out, and we've got a rough plan to meet up uh, next week, and we're going to finalise our what our schedule for 2015 looks like. So, after all that kind of well intentioned, yeah, you know, because it, it's basically been almost you know kind of at least a book a month. So you've got that constant churn of working on a book, working with creator. You've got you know some that are just starting, you've got some that are just finishing, which is great. It means we're very busy. Uh, we've both got day jobs, so it means you know evenings and weekends are spent are spent on getting the books right. We've got some really really exciting projects to look at next year, as well as working with with people we've, we've worked with already. You know, people like Tim, people like Owen, people like Mike. If they want to do a book with us, we're going to do it. You know, because we love their work, and it almost feels they've been with us from the start, and they've been part of uh, of you know kind of of where we've got to. They you know we're nothing without the creators. Um, so for them to want to work with us. Is as important for us as, as being able to put their, their stuff out. I think, you know, yeah, it's it's going to be uh, working with some of, still working with our with, with all those creators we worked before, and as I say, hopefully some some fairly exciting um, new projects as well. And yeah, it feels like it's probably going to be it's probably going to be as hectic as this year. I think. Thanks for joining us, Dave. Absolute pleasure. Where can people find out more about Avery Hill? Our website is www.averyhillpublishing.com. You can also link to our online shop from there. We're on Twitter at Avery Pubble because I don't know if you can do it now, but when we set it up, you, that's that's the amount of characters we can fit in. Um, <laughs> and they're the characters you chose. And they're the characters we chose. <laughs> We're on Instagram at Avery Hill Publishing. Send us emails, get in touch, send us your work. Process is part of the Hold Fast Network. Go to holdfastnetwork.com for other podcasts you might enjoy.